So here we are at Christmas. You may have read about a phenomenon that happened last Monday evening, which I tried and failed to see. But it's a phenomenon called the Christmas star, and it hasn't been seen for about 800 years. It's called the Christmas star rather fancifully this year because of its proximity to December the 25th. But apparently Saturn and Jupiter lined up in such a way as to make it appear as an extremely bright star in the, uh, in the night sky. Most unusual and extraordinary phenomenon. Well, of course, tonight we're not reading Matthew's story of the star of Bethlehem, the wise people from the east. We reserve that for the Feast of the Epiphany on January the 6th. But none, nonetheless, I've been reading uh, St. Luke's story this year with, with different eyes, with new eyes. Even in the midst of the familiarity of the Christmas story, there seems to be uh, something extraordinary going on. And maybe I'm noticing uh, this because of the special circumstances, the unusual circumstances in which many of us find ourselves this Christmas with plan, travel plans cancelled and maybe we're far from home, maybe people who are usually with us are not with us. But there's a sense of dislocation this year. There may be no place like home for the holidays, uh, but it is the unfamiliarity of the year this year that is striking to me. So I'm reading the story in a new way. Everyone in the story, I notice, is in some sense dislocated. The Holy Family have left Nazareth and go to Bethlehem for, to be registered for essentially a census. They're a very long way away from their home, their support group. There's no room at the inn. And Mary has to give birth in what we call a stable, but was probably more like a dank cave, truth be known. And then we think about uh, the baby itself. What about this child? We've come to recognize this child of Son of God, Son of Man, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, in the late 15th century, in the late 19th century, a theologian called Charles Gore popularized uh, an idea which he called kenosis. It was written in a, a book of essays he edited called Lux Mundi in, uh, in 1889. And in essence, the idea of kenosis is that Jesus had to give up some divine attributes such as omniscience and omnipotence in order to take human form. It's not popular these days because we, we tend to understand that Jesus is fully human, the exemplary human, the, the, uh, the son of man uh, has this meaning of the exemplary incarnate one. But the doctrine of kenosis has within it uh, the idea that Jesus had to relocate in some sense from the right hand of God to come down to earth to be with us, God with us, Emmanuel. So the family are dislocated, even Jesus, in a sense, relocated. And, and then the shepherds, the shepherds who are in the fields and hear the, the, uh, the words, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace, goodwill among those whom he favours. Or in the familiar words of the King James Bible, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Beautiful. And a story our reading ends there tonight, but the next thing that happens is they have to go to Bethlehem. The shepherds themselves go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has come to pass. So while many of us are thinking of home, everyone in the story is in some sense leaving home. It's a story of the dislocation of the familiar. 
But there's something else going on in addition to dislocation, a sense in which there is a kind of relocation, a kind of reorientation that comes about at Christmas and that will play out in the rest of the story of this ordinary birth of what we will come to see as an extraordinary child. Which means there's a sense in which Jesus relocates our true home to be wherever we find him. Home is where the heart is and our heart is perhaps with Jesus, this newborn child at Christmas. You know, he said he, he's going to grow up to say, to, to, to re, reimagine the pillars of Israel. He's going to take the law, the Torah, uh, and say he didn't come to destroy it, he came to fulfill it. And the way it's fulfilled, what you looked for in the law, you looked for righteousness, you now find in relation to Jesus. He says, you now find it in relation to me. What you looked for in the temple, namely the assurance of the presence of God in the midst of the people, you now look for in relation to me. Remember all that stuff at his trial. In three days, knock down the temple and he'll build it up. He was talking about his body. And then he also says what you look for in the land of promise, what you look for as the homeland you've been given, which is remembered in the Seder, at that extraordinary Seder or Seder-like Last Supper, he reinterprets it and says, what you look for in a true sense of home and the end of exile, you now find from here on out in relation with me. This is my body. This is my blood. So home is found in relation with Jesus. And so our Christmas story moves from dislocation to a kind of relocation to a real sense of place in the world or location perhaps and in relation to the babe of Bethlehem, the wonderful counsellor, the Prince of Peace. And so it can be for our own Christmas story this year if we feel in some sense dislocated uh, with attendant anxiety and disappointment perhaps or maybe a sense of loss pervading what is meant to be a glorious celebration. Maybe we can through our worship this night, that is turning or being turned anew to what is of ultimate worth, being turned again toward what really matters. Maybe through our worship, we can relocate ourselves in a different kind of story. And this different kind of story is one in which everyone is far from home, only to discover that in the most ordinary birth, there is the beginning of a discovery of a new sense of place in the world, a new sense of being right with God, new sense of the assurance of God's presence, a new sense of where true home is found. And, and it's worth noting that, that this place is not dependent on geography, but is rather dependent on relationship with Jesus as the source of worth and meaning and even life itself, but certainly life worth living. And as an aside here, it's good to remember that of the Abrahamic religions, Christianity is the only one that is not tied to a specific place, as Islam is Medina and Mecca, and Judaism is Jerusalem. Islam is tied largely to Arabic, and Judaism largely to Hebrew. And we may have tried from time to time to make Rome central, or Constantinople central, or Greek, or, or Latin, but basically the sort of self-critical principle within our faith has meant that hasn't worked. And consequently, Christianity is the most widespread of religions, taking root in all kinds of languages and cultures anywhere and everywhere. Last Sunday, 
we prayed that Jesus, when he comes, will find a mansion prepared for himself, a home in our hearts, as it were, that we might know true home with him as he dwells with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, also us with God in the waning days of the strangest of years. Perhaps you've happened upon our service tonight uh, and are drawn to the idea that something can really matter when so much around us seems fragile and temporary. Well, Christians at our best find that meaning in the love that is born into the world in the stable at Bethlehem and takes root in our hearts throughout our lives and throughout the world. If you would like to join us on this incredible journey of learning to put our whole trust in, in God's grace and love so that we can live more graciously, more generously, more hopefully, more lovingly than we ever imagined possible, then offer a prayer and ask God to show you the way and then tell someone what you did. I hope that you might find yourself sharing the journey with us. Peace and blessings on this Christmas to you, to those you love, and to all people. I offer this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.